TV Campfire Podcast. I was like, yep, okay, so you win for the week. <laughs> <laughs> We're here. I hate to sound like a broken road. Oh, no! <laughs> We're fans. It's one of the best things on television. Oh! oh! All right, we got you a hold of Oh, no, you didn't. We talk TV. That was the best scene ever. Like, All that right, blew I'll- me away. It was absolutely amazing. I just couldn't believe it. Welcome to the show. This is podcast number 476, and I'm Libby, your host, and this week we have returning guests. Hi, I'm Tom. I'm professor of communication and media studies at Palm Beach Atlantic University in Florida. Hi, I'm Allison, and I write reviews for Weedonopolis. Hi, this is Yusun, and I'm a costume designer and a TV enthusiast speaking from Los Angeles. Hey, this is Peter. I uh, write for Why So Blue, and I live in Hollywood. All right, thank you guys. It's good to have a full set of guests this week. It's, it makes me feel all warm inside. And Tom, you're going to give us what little TV news we got this week. Go ahead. Yes, Apple TV Plus. Christopher Walken has been cast in the drama series Severance, and he joins Adam Scott, Patricia Arquette, and John Turturro. Seth Rogen and Rose Byrne are reteaming for the comedy Platonic, which is coming from their neighbors director, Nick Stoller. HBO Max has announced that William Jackson Harper will star in Love Life Season 2. Hulu has canceled Castle Rock. Aww. <laughs> in- are we sad about this, though? Just checking. Are we sad about Castle Rock? Because I, I like watched- first season, but then I never even bothered to watch second. I, just- I-, I did watch second, I- and I couldn't finish it. I just kind of petered out. I watched the two free episodes of season one before I resubscribed to Hulu this year. Okay, so not sad. All right, continue. No. <laughs> NBC has pulled connecting from the schedule, which was news to me because I didn't know it was on the schedule. <laughs> I was like, connecting? Connecting the dots? Is it like it's, Connect it's Four? It's a social distancing comedy. I think it was that thing that was supposed to be like kind of like The Office, but no, that was a different one. Anyway, they're going to put the rest online like anybody cares. Um, Netflix has greenlit Narcos Mexico Season 3. And Viacom CBS has announced it will shutter its niche streaming services to focus on Paramount Plus. So, just to be clear, CBS All Access is going to become Paramount something. Paramount Plus. Okay, is that better than CBS All Access? Is that a better title? Well, they're gonna. Well, Paramount's a better. It's a better brand than CBS. I would think so. I don't know. So, um. The, the 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 they're definitely going to sunset MTV hits, which I didn't know existed, and other services being eyed for absorption are Noggin, Nick Hits, and Comedy Central now. Well, having it all on one service makes sense because HBO Max has like a bunch, and Disney Plus has like a bunch. So if you're going to charge me, that makes more sense. Wait, I'm sorry. Right. Is it getting rid of CBS All Access. It no will way. become part of Paramount Plus. Yes. It's the rebrand, Peter. Oh, but that doesn't mean Discovery and all those shows go they're, away. No, they're not going away. They will be part of the new umbrella. Paramount Plus. Does that mean they're a different banner? Does that mean we have to pay a different price thing? That I don't know. They better not jack up the price. That's a good way yeah. to get rid of subscribers. Unless you're Netflix. Um, but yeah. <laughs> nice burnt. Oh, all right. Snap. Anything else, Tom? Uh, you know, uh, that reminds me that I think CBS 
All Access released their numbers, which are still kind of anemic compared to everybody else. But you know, whatever. The only people, the only thing they have people watching is Star Trek. Not, nobody watches anything else on that. So what you, you you don't mean? Tell me a story wasn't a big hit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I well, they had the least interesting Salvatore brother on that one. So no. <laughs> All right, let's start off with the shows. First up, we're going to talk about The Mandalorian, which we, oops, forgot last week. We talked about it so much amongst ourselves that we forgot to talk about it on the podcast. We are like, wait a minute, I know we talked about this. It's like, yeah, when we were on the phone, and I was like, oh. Okay, so we're going to get a double dose of The Mandalorian. We're going to talk about episode one and two, which is good because I liked one better than the other. All right, so let's first talk off talk about the premiere which was basically the Mandalorian uh, Western... Well, it was already a Western, but the super extra Western version of it, including uh, Timothy Oliphant, because you can't have a Western without Timothy Oliphant. Doing his <laughs> swagger thing that makes women swoon. I, I tell you, I literally recognized him when he walked into the bar. I was like, that... I literally... I recognized his walk. <laughs> I really uh, did. I didn't need him to walk. I saw him standing in the doorway with that little hip jut and then his holster <laughs> low on that hip. It was like that low slung gun and I was like, "Oh my god, that's Timothy Oliphant." <laughs> so it is, so it is It's a new drinking one. game. How how soon can you can you actually identify Timothy Oliphant? So yeah. it is us that really drives them insane. Yes, it it really is. <laughs> It is. Yeah, he knows it's what he's that, doing. It's that gun swagger. I mean, I'm not. I'm. Pr- I'm not pro gun, but like some people just know how to wear a gun. And so for <laughs> me, for for real, I'm like anti guns, except for when Timothy Oliphant and Harrison Ford wear it. That's it. Um, no. <laughs> so let's I talk just, about the episode. Told, let's yeah, talk about the episode. You're pro prop gun on a hip. Let's Correct. talk about the episode Correct. because this one was very much about. Uh, the Mandalorian is looking for others of his kind to help him figure out where he needs to take the child. And so he's he's basically on a quest and he gets to he gets to Tim the Elephant's character and what's hilarious is like, let's discuss this over a meal. And he immediately takes his helmet off and I was like <gasps> like I gasped out loud when he took the helmet off and I was like Oh, he's not a Mandalorian. For nanosecond, I thought he was Pierce Brosnan. And I was like, wait, what? What's happening? He legit looked like my head was about to explode. I was like, wait, what? James Bond is a fake Mandalorian? What's happening? Well, first of all, I mean, I knew that I knew that he wasn't a real Mandalorian because he is literally wearing Boba Fett's armor. So, I mean, which is really recognizable. So you know that that's not that's not going to be a real thing but i i was delighted actually that he took the helmet off because if there's one thing i hate i think we've discussed this before it's cute men who hide their faces under helmets that is (laughs) we need a lot less of that on on this show and and i was all for that moment but yeah that was that was great what i loved was 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 watching the reaction of the mandalorian because you could just see physically this (gasps) give it back (laughs) so watching them go on their adventures and uh they're like okay we have to go kill this dragon now yeah i was like this is literally a quest sandworm yeah it was a it was very much a tremors tremors it reminded me of tremors remember that movie Uh, 
Peter, you haven't spoken. This is your show. Why haven't you said anything? I want to know. I really think the. I don't think the Mandalorian is my show. Um, I liked. I. I mean, I'm a Star Wars fan, but uh, but I liked the premiere. Um, I haven't seen episode two, um, but I saw. I thought the premiere was pretty good. I thought my only, ironically, my only thing about it was that in the first season, I remember. Uh, Libya and I both complained that the episodes were too short. It would be like 38 minutes. I was like, what? This was like probably an hour. And I was like, once was you set 50. up that it's like, oh, okay, they're on Tatooine and it sort of looks like the same area. Boba Fett died, but it's not the Sarlacc. Once you set that up, I didn't, I felt like the episode felt a little padded. Um, but I, I, I mean, I thought it like the big battle with the, uh, the dragon, the Kyrat, or what is it called? Do you guys know? I don't remember. No. I just was calling it a dragon. Like the Great big dragon, sandworm, great um, dragon, and uh, great dragon, right? And um, of course, you know, I love seeing uh, the big surprise at the end. Was cool. I'm wondering what they're going to do with that. Um, you can say and, what the surprise is. Where so many people oh, have yeah. seen the episode. So yeah, we see we see actor Tamora Morrison who play who is the clones in the Clone Wars, and of course that means that. So he was Jango Fett in Attack of the Clones, and there was a little kid, Boba, his his clone son. So now he's playing the son. He's playing Boba Fett. Um, and it was interesting because he doesn't have the armor on, but he has, like, two Tusken Raider-looking, like, rifles. So we saw in this episode that Mando can does the language that the Tusken Raiders do, so I'm assuming Boba Fett is the same, that he has some kind of, like communication with them um yeah i I mean i'm very curious to see where that's gonna go um and yeah and i agree with you of course i love timothy oliphant so it's always great i hope we see more of him you know so apparently how he wears his gun on his hip (laughs) (laughs) evidently uh tuscan raider language classes are required uh required on mandalore for secondary education there's a there's a good chance we're going to see Timothy Elephant again, mainly because what I didn't know ahead of this is that the character he's playing is from the novels, and yep. so there's a whole series of novels about Timothy Elephant's character. He oh, definitely wow. cracked her. He said oh, something. I they said like, "Oh, I hope we work again together or something." Right. So I mean, that was pretty clear. I do want to say this though, because I'm being unfair, because you know we're just talking about how hot, or at least I'm just talking about how hot he is. Um, I thought he did a great job. I mean, he kind of sort of played the same character that he played in Justified, so I don't know how much range he's got. I mean, he was he's on that um, Santa something something with the vo- the vomiting Santa and the, to the die. And he plays yeah. a very different character on that. Right. So I don't know how he was on that, but I mean, he did Timothy did Timothy, and I thought he, it was a great casting, and I thought he did a great job, and um, it was just fun. I have to agree with Peter it, it, that I did think, as much as I loved looking at them, all of them, it was and it was a fun episode. I did think it was a little padded. I, I mean, I was like, okay, kill the monster. We all know you're gonna. So you know, it, it, but for me. The, I have to say this, and I'm, I'm done. Boba Fett was not a surprise. I was texting you the entire yeah. time, Livia, and you were trying so hard to not spoil it. And I was like, why are you even trying? I know it's going to be Boba Fett at the end. I know. So I'm excited about that. I can't wait to see how they explain that, and I think that'll be really fun. Um, Wait, uh, one question. Qu- uh, Tom probably knows. I read some, like, um, some facts that... So when... The Boba Fett armor, the Timothy Elephant character is wearing it, and he gets, and you see the flashback. 
and they shoot him and the armor it you know it bounces off because the mandalore armor is way better than stormtrooper armor Uh, (laughs) but supposedly it is not the same you know in the first season of mandalorian we see how they make the metal how it's forged I, i i heard that supposedly it actually is technically not the same metal unless they're like retconning someone said that in the in the lore of boba fett it is not made with the same metal so but it looked pretty in, it looked pretty indestructible to me like it looked like a captain america i movie. feel like we're going down a deep hole of star wars lore that i was I not I, I like i don't want to do that uh that's that's for the other podcast called <laughs> star wars stuff well, wait, can I well, ask don't, don't forget that mando did get an armor upgrade in season one he did he did true Wait, so I have a question, um, because if I should uh, hit mute or whatever, I have not seen episode two. Um, is is it just... Is there it has a, nothing is... to do with what you just watched. This is actually my complaint about the second episode, which is that it had nothing to do with the first episode, really, other than Mando is, like, still looking for Mandalorians, but now he's on a different planet, and now... And he doesn't really get a lead, and now he's a taxi driver. Like, what... <laughs> and he has to take a frog lady and protect her eggs, and then creepily, baby, baby Yoda, baby Yoda starts eating babies. I was like, "Oh my god!" And well, the first, the first time he does it, I'm like, "Well, he's a child; he doesn't know what's happening." But he's told, "No, don't do it." He understands Mando telling him, no, don't do it. So then he starts sneaking around trying to steal the baby eggs, and he keeps eating them through the whole episode. And And not only that, it's the eggs of an endangered species. She said she's like one of the last of her kind. He made it even worse. It just and she yeah. she saved his life at one point, you know, from one of the spiders. So there's like a, a relationship between them, and he's still eating her eggs. And I'm sorry, but that just wasn't funny. That was not funny. It was played for humor, and it was not funny. Not only was it not funny, I felt like it it was they tried so hard, and it and it messed up the tone of the of the piece. Like, you know, it, it's the one thing that. I don't love Mandalorian. I I do enjoy it, and because I'm a Star Wars fan, I'll I'll get my fix. But I I really I thought they really dropped the ball there. I mean, the emphasis was they tried to be you know that sly Star Wars humor, but I thought it was just distasteful, and it it ruined the the pacing and the what not the pacing, but it just ruined the tone of the whole thing. So. I don't know. I hope they get their act together because, uh, you know, we all love Baby Yoda. Why would you ruin him for us? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I was pretty like, mad yeah, at the baby, was- actually, which I've never been. That's a rascal. He's, yeah, there's there's a rascal aspect and killing children aspect. Like, those are two things you can't yeah. be like, isn't it so cute and funny that he's killing these endangered babies? Like, no! <laughs> no, it's not. No, it's not. One, one crazy fan theory is that Baby Yoda is really going to turn out to be evil, which is why... Uh, which is why uh, Moff Gideon wants him. Well, Moff Gideon maybe wants to make him evil. I feel like he's a baby, and you're not. The babies are not necessarily evil one way or the other. But this whole bit, like, I also think his exposure to all the violence that man that Mando has shown him has made him less has corrupted. Uh, it, him? Yeah, starting to corrupt him a bit. Yeah, so, anyway. Well, you know, I want to say this about the baby Yoda um, mishandling also. The thing is, there's a lot of plot armor, or there's a lot of just, I don't know, like, he's still a baby. He hasn't done his 
Yoda stuff, you know, his Jedi stuff in a long time. And I feel like the Mandalorian is incredibly cavalier. He leaves him alone, you know, long periods of time. He's always like opening the door to the bed going, where are you? And I'm like, have you not learned your lesson? And then like he puts him in a sack and then he's get thrown, you know, and just I don't know why he just doesn't keep him in that egg, that floating egg. Fantastic. It makes no sense, honestly. So, yeah, I, I think the logic, a lot of the logic behind the show doesn't make sense to me, but... Alright, we need watch. to we need to move on. Uh, next up, I don't know what the... I think overall our thumbs are up for Mandalorian, but yeah, the last episode was a little sketchy for me. It was yeah. interesting and to also, I, the, new Repu- the New Republic um, pilots. I thought it was interesting that they were not... I mean, they weren't bad guys, but they weren't exactly good guys either. I feel like they were just doing their job. I didn't have a problem with them. That's what I thought. And also, you know, the the Republic isn't isn't really all that organized right now, so they're they're kind of going on their own judgment with a lot of things. Yeah, I actually like the way they were depicted. I did the, too. The thing that's getting me with this was with Mandalorian right now, and it was the same problem that I had with first season, and I was hoping we were over it, is that it's very episodic. And I I think we were beyond. Oh, you know, once we actually got our crew. I thought we were going to just get into the story. And I, I really wish they'd do that. Yeah, of I would agree. Alone. We need to move on, guys, though. Uh, next up, we're going to talk about Fear of the Walking Dead. And this was the episode with Dory and his... Um, and basically, Dory trying to fit into the new society. And he thinks that everything's going to work out. He's trying to be positive, And then he's investigating a case... And as he investigates the case, it everything starts to look much more dire. And he basically, like, loses the positive, like, viewpoint perspective. And he gets he goes to a pretty dark place by the end. So, um, I do like the focus on different characters. I do want the crew to be back together. But I like that they give us... They let us check in with Morgan every week, which makes me allows me to forgive all of this stuff. So as long as we do our Morgan check-in, I'm good. Uh, Peter, what were your thoughts on this episode? You know, it's funny to sort of go to Allison's thing. I think that um, it's weird because it's not like I'm like the biggest Fear the Walking Dead person. But, I mean, I do, I do like the show. But it's interesting, Allison, because I agree with you that for some reason... I don't really love the episodic nature of the Mandalorian. However, Fear the Walking Dead, it can be kind of episodic. I mean, like, I think, didn't I say to you, Libya, that this episode, I was like, you could almost see this episode as something something that someone pitched as a pilot idea or a, or a, or, or a one-off idea. And then right. they just inferred it in the world of Fear the Walking Dead. They're like, right. oh, It was like a murder mystery, yeah. Right, just like oh, we'll just do this, and so it's weird because Allison, I agree with you, but it's weird because the fear episodes, it's like, well, they are kind of. I mean, I guess they're not totally standalone because you have such a big group that we want to check in on everybody. So we're like, oh, what's Dory doing? Like, so I guess on that way, but it is basically just yes, he basically he hasn't been a sheriff in a while. He didn't think he was going to be one anymore, and he kind of misses it, you know. And and he, but of course you know what virginia doesn't realize or i think she realizes like quickly is that like he's very good at it so he's not going to just let it go um but i i mean i like it of course dory's like one of my favorite characters so um uh yeah i thought it was i was good like thumbs up i just like i just like the despair i don't know if i liked it but the despair on his face at the end when like even with 
No, I meant the... I said I don't know if I like the look on his face, is what I'm saying. Which is that by the end of the episode, he's gone through all this effort to prove this person innocent. She gives up and allows herself to be executed in a horrific way. Then why did Virginia say... There was this thing that happened to this guy. I know, I never want my town to be like that. You literally did that. Like yes, I, I Virginia's full of it. I mean, that was pretty much the whole point of right? her like, telling this story and then her doing exactly what was in the story is to let you understand that Virginia is not about her word. She lies. She manipulates. All that story was was to manipulate Dory into being on her side. And then, for all we know, she's the one who came up with that original plan from that town. In the first place. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure of it. I'm yeah, sure so it. I, all of it was about manipulating Dory. Everything she said to him, and then at the very end, where he fails to help this woman, and to keep Dory from still trying to figure out who committed the murder, she sends him his wife. To be like, thank you for your cooperation. Here's right, your yeah. wife. Now, if you screw up, you have your wife to lose. That's true, right? Yeah. Well, which is smart for her. That's a good play on her part. Yes, and that's the thing is she is she's a good villain because she makes people believe she's a good guy, but she's not. Uh, and then the people who see through it, she either kills you or has something on you. Uh, she can't kill her sister. Her sister knows she's terrible. Yes, but the she sister, keeps but she keeps yeah. her sister in lockdown. Her sister right. can't do anything. Her sister is easy to manipulate. She can, she can control where she goes, who she right. talks to. So, well, I no, I, I liked it. Allison, did you like it? Um, I liked the episode. Uh, you know, we, you were talking about the episodic nature of it. I think the 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 way that they have separated all the characters right now, it sort of lends itself to that yes. episodic feel. We, you know, every where we're checking in literally with all the characters that we we saw before. It's like okay, and so this week we get John Dory, and and this this week we get so and so, and and so I think it, at a certain point, even though I really appreciate all the bits that they put in with Morgan, so we have a connecting thread. Um, I'm going to get tired of of seeing just okay, this is so and so's episode, and this is I want to see them work together. I want yeah. to see them. You know, sure. come together and. Well, I mean, I, that's I coming. I feel like that's coming. I know it's coming, but I'm. I, I. It's like if it's coming pretty soon now, I'm fine with that. If it's coming only for like the very last episode of the season, <laughs> I'm gonna be a bit put out. So yeah, because um, they do. You know, we've talked before about how they have a tendency to split up all the characters on these shows when when we really want to see them working together and i mean it was really nice to see the rabbi again and i'm, I'm kind of wondering i forgot know, about him to be honest because i was like yeah, wait how do we know up, about him like, again oh, yeah. yeah and and i i it, it suddenly made me realize okay well who else have we not gotten and am i misremembering but are we are they just not talking about the the trucker lady with her disabled brother because they haven't even been talked about yet. Well, and to be I, fair, I'm glad because I don't like either one of them. So they could yeah, fall well, off. I they can fall I, off a cliff. <laughs> I would have agreed with you, except that by by the end of the last season, I actually started to like them. Nope, so. still don't like them. But we need to move on. We need to move on. So I'm saying thumbs up. Uh, so next... Overall, I just want them to get the characters together sooner. Yes, I agree. Next up, we're going to talk about the Good Lord Bird. And, man, I realized now on this episode why they basically destroyed Frederick Douglass's character early on was because that was the intention 
They do not want Frederick. Frederick Douglass is not a hero in this series. He is, they, they basically are portraying him as like a talker and not a doer. And, and they almost make him seem like a coward. And I don't appreciate that at all. No, um, so no. I did not like that portrayal. Like they really just, they, to, in order, and this is not necessary, but the way that the story is working in order to make John Brown seem brave, they make, uh, Frederick Douglass seem like a coward. And I was just like, wow. So I, mean, I, I should check yeah. this out. Cause he said Ethan Hawke's really good. He is. His he is amazing. Yeah, his portrayal is fantastic. Yeah, what they do to Frederick Douglass is terrible. And, and and like you said, unnecessary. Because what he is saying is the voice of reason. Right. They are going to get themselves all killed doing this. Right. What they're doing now is going to to make the the slave owners enraged, and and they're going to go on a spree that's going to take out a lot more than just the people who were involved in the Harper's Ferry incident. And so all of that is, is reasonable. Yeah, everything he's rational. saying is, but, but they're... not re- cowardly. No, but they're and portraying him definitely as a coward. Yes, they are, and that annoyed me a lot. He, they didn't have to do that. Um, he, it's perfectly fine to have him be the voice of reason. He should be. Um, and keep his dignity and not say, oh, he's just saying that because he's a coward. Because that was... And, that, and, then, that, and then on top of it, they had one of his men switch over to John Brown because Frederick Douglass was to emphasize how much of a coward Frederick Douglass was. And I was like, what the heck is this? Um, I still, I mean, I kept watching it because that section was pretty small. It was like one scene. Um, And Orlando Jones got to show up to be the railway man, which was cool. That was Um, a great moment. That was pretty cool, yeah. And then I like Onion because they they were saying basically Onion has been away from them for months as they set up this thing, and now Onion's taller, starting to get a mustache, and trying to still pretend to be a girl. It's hilarious, but it's gotten to the point where it's legitimately dangerous. For he just needs to, and he does come out and tell somebody at the end of the episode, like, "Look, I'm a guy. I'm not a girl." Um, and he needs to tell it to John Brown if, but I don't. John Brown obviously is not going to survive this fight. But it was at the point where it was like every, like every, almost every person who ran into Onion was like, why are you dressed as a girl, little boy? Like, you know, everybody could tell that he was a, he was a guy except for John Brown. Like it was really, it got to be really ridiculous. Well, Um, John Brown sees what John Brown wants to say. That's true. And so I think that that's, that, that makes sense. And the fact that so many other people are are not seeing that anymore, and he's just locked into that image, is is a testament to. I mean, Brown's fanaticism. There's a, there's a lot to admire about Brown, but he's also very crazy, and and you know I think it's okay to play him as both heroic and nuts. And I think I love I love Ethan Hawke's performance of it simply because he gets that balance. So that on the one well, you hand, can, you can yeah, feel you can... deeply for him and you can admire him. And on the other hand, you realize he is just gone, you know, and he's going to get a lot of people killed. Yeah. His plan was terrible. His plan was, we're going to depend on God to come up with a plan. And I was like, that's a terrible plan. <laughs> like, <laughs> and that was basically what Frederick Douglass was like. He was like, this is your plan. And he was like, yeah, we're going to hide the beads and then we're going to just attack the, the armory. And he was like, but how are you going to attack the armory? 
well, God's going to show us. And, and he was like, no, that's not a plan. Um, so I actually thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, and then he changes the date, which is exactly what Harriet Tubman She was like, you can do anything you want except change the date. She was like, everything else can change. If you change the date, this all falls apart. He's like, promise me you're not going to change the date. And he's like, I will not change the date. First thing he does, we're changing the date. He's like, oh, my God. So, yeah. But let's move on. Um, It was good. I, I had problems. I mean, that's all I can say. It was a good episode. Like, overall, it was a good episode. But I fundamentally have problems with how they're portraying certain things. Yeah. All right. Next up, we're going to talk about Star Trek Disco. Um, this was episode four. And I'm curious what you think, Allison, because it basically focuses on the one character that said that you said you hated. But I actually really enjoyed the episode because I thought they gave her some really cool character development. I yeah, I, I... Oh, sorry. Um, I... You can go, Tom. <laughs> For me, the, the, I was far more invested in the B-plot than the A-plot. I didn't mind the A-plot. What do you the consider A-plot? the A-plot? The A-plot was the trill thing because okay. that was the episode title, Forget Me Not. Okay, so what was the B-plot then? The B plot was the crew suffering from PTSD. Oh, that was really good. Both of them were good. And we finally found out what was wrong with Arian and the dinner party from hell. It was great, yeah. (laughs) Like every Thanksgiving I've ever had. (laughs) So. (laughs) The haiku about blood. (laughs) Oh, that was creepy. That was super creepy. But but it was, but it really showed that she had serious PTSD. Like it was. Yeah. It was really just right front and center, and that out of all the things that the captain was, Saru was trying to like bond them together and try to help them, that was one thing that it, I don't think it occurred to him to deal with. So, yeah. I think part of it is because, you know, he's been the first part of the series with his own fear response being non normal, and now that he's got it, he probably doesn't know how to how to navigate that terrain with, you know, other people. Members. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I'm loving the way that the crew is starting to integrate, especially the way they work Colber into that. Yeah. The fact that Colber realized, you know, he asked people or, or asked Arian, how are you, do-, or uh, Detmer, how are you doing? And she lied like people often do. Right. <laughs> and she wasn't fine. And uh, in in the talk back, Will Wheaton was saying, "This is probably what led the Federation to put counselors on the starship <laughs> by the time you get to the next generation." Wait, what's the talk back? What are you talking about? He's talking about uh, the Ready Room, which is the after show. Oh, I didn't realize there was one. I want to watch that. It's yeah, on YouTube. The I didn't hate it. I didn't. Do, I didn't hate it. I didn't love it. It was just kind of there. I, the whole I, episode. No, the A plot, the uh, the thing oh. with uh, with the non-binary crew member and her. Yeah. Um... I mean, there was really nothing that happened in it that was surprising. It just kind of it, it went the way I expected it to go, and with with the sole uh, little twist that she now has an imaginary friend that follows her. <laughs> um, I I really, but I thought that it did a good job of us getting to know her, and yeah. 
I just, I really enjoyed that. And I mean, I didn't have an aversion to her in the first place, one way or the other, but I thought this episode did a good job of us getting to know her. So I, I applaud that. I, I came away not disliking her as much as I did the first time around, which is true. Um, and I actually, I like her little imaginary friend better than I do her, to be honest. But um, I, you know, I, it was okay. It was, I think I'm with Tom. I like the B story much better than the A story. All right, uh, uh, Yusin, go ahead. I- yeah, I want to jump in because I actually I haven't spoken on on podcast, but I'm with Allison. So I, that's all you heard about from me was how much I disliked the character. I didn't like the actress that was playing it. She was, you know, she was petulant and this and that. And, you know, and then we when when we found out she was a trill, I was like, OK, well, that's a little bit more interesting. Um, I have to agree with Allison again. You know, there nothing really happened that we didn't think was going to happen. Um, however, there were a few little notes. There were a few little uh, moments that I really loved. I loved um, when she just blasted the people away, you know, and she and, and uh, you know, I forgot her name. But the trill was like, oh, well, that's not Starfleet or Federation. You know what I mean? And, yeah. you know, it kind of emphasized for us that she's been rogue and out there by herself. I mean, they mentioned it. A oh, few you're times. talking about Michael. Michael, yeah, when Michael, you know, defended the people who were going to kidnap them, you know what I mean? She just pulled out her phaser or her gun or whatever they're calling it. And, um, yeah, and then she just kind of blew them away. Uh, And they made clear that she didn't kill them. She's like, well, they're going to wake up, you know? So, um, but I like that. The other thing is I did, I I think I'm going to like that woman, the non-binary well they're i think i believe they're both non-binary but um the trill i i think i'm gonna like her better because they, they because she's more because she's um connected to her past lives now she seems you know she's less petulant she's less teenagery um we know her story um i don't know that i didn't like it as much as a i kind of liked both because i i thought it was you know it was a little it was moving and but the thing i really like on this episode is how they're handling saru um you know finding his way as a captain you know what i mean mm-hmm. um i think uh i you know and i'm i'm a little against the whole ai you know having its own mind and this and that but they like they've done before in the past they do explain it for those people who are a little slow. Um, also, we've even. seen That's- that the that the ship's computer becomes sentient when they had that short Trek episode that was way in the future. So we see yeah, that this well, is supposed to happen. Yeah. yeah, yeah, no, but that's what I mean. Like, I assume that was season two because I missed all that. Oh, it was one of the right, short right, right, treks. Right, right. It was one short of the trek. short treks. It was a really good episode. You would you would like it. It's only yeah, ten guess, minutes long, but when, it, when we need we need to wrap it up. We're, yeah, we're I just made a mental note that that was something I had to go look up later because I didn't understand what was going on. Um, but yeah, we need to wrap two. this. We need to wrap this okay, up. We, I, we, just we, wanna, I just want to end by saying it's my favorite show right now. I took a media fast, you know, on purpose, and I was kind of wondering which one I would, what I would come back for. And you know, I thought in my head, okay, definitely going to watch Disco. But like last season or last year, this has my, this is my favorite show so uh, of the season. I think it's great, and they have changed direction a little bit, and I'm with them. So I love it. <laughs> All right. Uh, next up, we're going to talk about Truth Seekers. I only watched the first episode uh, because it actually was a little scary to me. And I was like, I don't know. I, I'm not unco- I'm, I'm a little uncomfortable right now. And I know it's technically supposed to be a comedy, but I was There's like, some good laughs in there. there are some minor laughs, minor laughs. It's it, it, for those who don't know Truth Seekers on Amazon and they dropped the whole series, and I was, and I like the actors who played. It's Simon Pegg and what's the other guy's name? Nick Frost. Nick Frost. Yes. Yeah, so it's really Nick Frost's vehicle, and Simon Pegg is like his boss. 
And I love. I usually love the two of them together, but they've paired him off with another actor who's fine. I like that guy too, <laughs> but it got a little scary. Like it was trying to be like more scary than normal, and usually their stuff isn't scary at all to me. And I was like, mm, I don't know if I like this. And so I watched the first episode, and I don't know if I'm going to watch anymore. Oh, you guys, really? your thoughts, real quick. It was a refreshing change because we've got so many dramas. And alleged comedies. We'll be getting to one of those later. Uh, <laughs> but this, it had a couple of good laughs. And I like the cast. <laughs> I do like the cast. I agree and with that. And the fact that they named the black kid, his name. Name is, uh, <laughs> oh wait, Elton, Elton John? John. <laughs> <laughs> Libya, how could you not like what they did with Malcolm McDowell in the pilot? That was brilliant. Oh, he was, was oh, because so... they made it look like he was a ghost. But yes, he... <laughs> yes. <laughs> And then the thing with the sliding chair. Yeah, that was pretty oh, funny. That was so funny. I'm yeah. so I, I I'm really enjoying the show. And yeah, it does have a few scary things, especially you know the the whole the whole bit at the beginning with the girl's mother, and it is just a little freaky. But uh, I think that they they balance that with so much humor, and yeah. I I absolutely love Malcolm McDowell in this. He's, he just cracks me up in every single scene that he has. He's he's clearly enjoying being in this and playing this grumpy old geezer. And uh, I, I think, you know, if you watch it long enough, if you get past that that stuff at the beginning, um, you'll, you'll find that there's a lot more humor to really enjoy about this show and a lot of character development. Because the other thing that I like about the show is that the characters themselves are likable. I like all of them. I want to follow them, and and I want to watch what they do. And there's even poignant bits that they do where where the paranormal stuff is concerned. So I really, really enjoy. I'm enjoying the show so far. I'm only three episodes in, but thumbs up for me. Excellent. All right, let's move on. We're going to talk about Young Sheldon, and it's the season premiere. And Sheldon is graduating or not graduating from uh, high school. And his sister is graduating from elementary school, so they're going to have, like, a joint graduation party. Yay! They're, they're twins. I know they're twins, but I really like the sister this episode. I thought oh, she terrific. shined. She shined She's a lot. Perfect. Go ahead. And I just, I just thought that, I mean, it was a great episode because we know that Sheldon does graduate early. And it'll be interesting to see how the show kind of shifts at the, as they have to introduce a new set of uh, supporting characters. But uh, but I'm, I'm glad they did they didn't just run roughshod over this. This is a big thing to skip that many grades, right? I mean, well, and speech, of course, as Sheldon's speeches tend to be, <laughs> is at 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 once condescending yet manages to be somewhat heartwarming too. <laughs> um, I I uh, during this pandemic, uh, you know, because I got HBO Max, so. I binged uh, Big Bang Theory, which was a show that I probably watched like the first five or six seasons. And I think we talked about it on the podcast. And then I kind of fell off. Um, so I watched all of it. And then I got into Young Sheldon. And my mom and Libya is always like, oh, Young Sheldon's really good. Um, so it was great for me this week to see like a new aired episode of Young <laughs> Sheldon. I was like, oh, my God, this is like, a, which I guess this was the episode that was supposed to be the finale. But because of the pandemic, they had to stop shooting. Um, but I thought it was really good. And I agree with Libya. Um, I still don't love, um, is it Georgie? Is that the brother? Yeah. Yeah. 
think brother's okay. Um, but like, I yeah, I think Missy's great. I, I think Missy is a. I liked the actress that played her for like two episodes on The Big Bang Theory. But yeah, the the little girl playing her is is really great, and it she she just always seems to be a character that like highlights as smart as Sheldon is. There are these other things that just come as like instinctual for Missy, and it was really nice. Yes, even though you're right, Tom, it's still. The way Sheldon gives a speech about doesn't he say something like something about like they're they're sharing this moment, but like I can't tell you what it's like, or something about being in high school. If I can't you tell you what middle school is like because I skipped it. <laughs> right, um, but I still yeah I really like this show. It's a very sweet, funny show. My only thing I wanted to say quickly because I know it's just a quick sitcom to talk about, but in the Big Bang Theory, when Tam shows up, they say something like we were 17 and we were supposed to go to college together, which was Caltech and Tam stays in Texas to be with his girlfriend. So I wasn't quite sure what they're going to do here because if he's graduated high, like, so I'm like, but he can't get to Caltech for like, what is, is how old is he now? Like 11, maybe? No, no. Caltech's grad school, dude. Oh, Wait, wait, wait. So on Big Bang Theory, all the characters we're seeing in the first season, they're in their... They're, oh, it's true, because they're... They're in their, their graduate program. Ah. Uh, although, on Young Sheldon, when he visits Caltech, he's very much like, I could I could totally see myself here. And then they show the cafeteria. Right. Like, I yeah. know, but that's but for grad school. It's grad yeah, school. He's not, he's not going to Caltech for undergrad. So right. you think he's going to go where Wallace Shawn is? You think that's the plan? He's going to go somewhere where he can be home at night to, to sleep in his own bed, remember? Right. So he's right. going to a school in Texas. Interesting. Uh, okay. But yeah. Oh, and I was happy to, happy to hear that this is indeed the start of the new season. I think they are going to take a break, but I heard they've shot at least like three episodes. So we, we will have, we should have an episode this week. All right. Uh, we want to wrap oh, that up. Uh, the, revel- the revelation that Amy and Sheldon named their son. Leonard. Oh, Leonard. Yeah, that was good. But I love the fact that they wanted to call him Leonard Moy and Amy said no. <laughs> We had Mayim Bialik in the voiceover, which was yeah. great. Yeah. Uh, next up, we want to talk about Moonbase 8. When I say we, I want Allison very quickly to tell us whether we should be watching this show or not. Because you've watched the very, first two. Isn't it's there on, a Steve Carell one that was on Netflix? Yes, but that was Air uh, Space Force. And the answer to whether you should be watching it is no. Um, <laughs> just pretty fast. That's quick. Um, I, I basically wasted two hours of my life hoping that this thing would get better and it didn't. I wanted to like it uh, because, I mean, it's got, it's got this amazing cast. You'd figure it's got to be funny. Um, you know, it, it stars John C. Riley, uh, Fred Armisen, Tim Heidecker. And it's, it's just, it's painful how much this does not work. The whole idea behind it is that it's supposed to be this, this uh, mock-up moon base for NASA plan- NASA plans to put an actual moon base on the moon. And so they're having these, these bases set up in the desert, various places uh, around the country that people can occupy and pretend like you know, this would be what we'd have to go through if we were on the moon. And there, I know that there, there are actual real things like this that have been set up. For, for future Mars missions where people try to figure out what it would be like to be in a, in a habitat. And 
if they are generally staffed with people who, even though most of these aren't actual NASA things, um, with people who know what they're doing. And this Moonbase 8 is supposed to be a NASA project. And yet all three of these guys are complete randos. And you wonder how in the world they are qualified to so much as, as sweep up around there rather than, you know, pretend to be astronauts. They're, they're just level of incompetency, I guess, is supposed to be funny. But instead, it's just nonsensical and irritating. There are a few moments that that were funny, a few bits that I laughed at, but not enough to justify watching the series and mostly it's just frustrating and dumb it's like it's like watching uh, you know if idiocracy had a space program that's wow. what this would be. so it's not the new uh, ted lasso oh no it's so not <laughs> <laughs> it's so not all right um, but I, I was just hoping for more with with people who are involved and it's it's not all right wrapping that up next up we're going to talk about be positive which is the show that tom told me to watch and I'm mad at you Tom now why would you after you've seen it why would you tell me to watch it you're supposed to be protecting me <laughs> because you like two people to watch a show so we can give a fair verdict I was surprised at how not funny this show was it was terrible considering that you have Thomas Middleditch who did um, Silicon Valley and was terrific on that and then you have um, oh why am I blanking on her name uh, I don't know. The lead. I, I know you're talking about because I watched it, but it. I have no she idea who she is. brought a spark of life to the show, but it still didn't bring the funny. And the premise is wafer thin. It's their high so ridiculous. They're high, high school acquaintances. She was like the slutty girl. He was like a smart dude. And then he needs his kidney is failing, so he needs a kidney. And hilarity ensues. It Not. wasn't funny. No. You know, it's the strength of Chuck Lorre's name alone. And he didn't create it. He just executive produces it. But I'm like, why did nobody... I mean, did somebody read the script and think, this isn't well, funny? And the, and the most obvious thing that's going to happen next is that he's going to have to move in together because <laughs> she's a drug addict and she has to become clean and for three drunk. months. And a drug... All of those things. And she obviously cannot do it on her own. So the very next episode, too, is going to be, why don't you move in? And then for three months, we'll keep you clean so that I can get a... And so it's going to be basically like a buddy... Um, Mismatch buddy roommate. It's right. the odd couple. It's the odd couple. And the, it's not the, It's and, not funny. And it's and not interesting. State. Yeah, I, I just... You know, and I'm, I've been harsh on some of the streaming shows that don't do a traditional pilot... By the way, another thing I love about uh, about Truth Seekers, that was a more traditional pilot than I've seen from a streaming show in years. But, okay, so what about this one? This one was this terrible. One, how, how did they shoot a pilot and nobody tell them, it's not funny? Mm -mm. The only things that made me smile were the things with the old people. On the bus? And that's just, and that's just cheap laughs. Yeah. All right, let's move on. It doesn't deserve any more conversation. No. Uh, next up, we're going to talk about Superstore which Peter was super excited about. It's the one where the main character leaves. I don't know anybody anything about Superstore. Go ahead. You guys take it take it away. Uh, well, Superstore's been back now for two episodes. So the first episode they dealt with um, COVID, which I thought was they did was pretty funny. Um, this was not going to be a funny episode because if you're a fan of the show, uh, Amy and Jonah have had a pretty solid relationship. So that's been... been uh, 
Ben, what's his, what's the actor's name? Tom Ben. Um. Battleson. Uh, no. He's on Mad. Keep going. I'll look so, it up. Um. So Amy and Jonah, um, are a pretty good couple on the show, and America Ferrera, uh, we knew from last year she was or from earlier she was leaving the show. So it was like, so how how are they going to do that? So the character of Amy. The Amy character is going to go to California, Northern California for a job promotion. But basically the, the new episode was that she essentially gets, she got married at a young age because she got pregnant and she felt that them moving Jonah coming with her, the notion of like, are they going to get married? Cause maybe he took her ring cause he wanted to check her ring size and everything. Which is why he did it. Right. Mm-hmm. It freaked her out. And I, Actually, I mean, I will say as a credit to the show, even though it, it made me sad, I think it you don't end up like hating Amy, even though I love. Um, oh, who's the character who's who, who's always rooting for them? Sandra. Sandra's Sandra. so mad at her, which was hilarious. Like yeah. uh, with the moccasin uh, thing, aqua, aqua socks or whatever. But but yeah, but I thought the, I thought the show did a good job of it's a good send off for America Ferrera, and I mean like. I don't know. It made like I can't really. It did a good job of like two people who clearly care about each other. Maybe they're not meant to be together, but you know, I don't know. I I, I have seen on Reddit some people like I hate Amy now, and I was like, okay, like I, I I still like Amy. I don't know. I'll let you guys talk, but I I thought it was. It's not a happy episode, but I thought it was good. And I thought it was fairly realistic because the thing is that considering all the steps they were taking. And Ben Feldman plays Jonah. He did take her ring to get the size. And it freaked her out. And she starts talking to her, to one of the other women about it freaking her out. And they needed to have the conversation sooner versus later. Because the only thing that, you know, there's only a couple ways you could play this out. You could play the way they did, rip the Band-Aid now. Or you play that they both moved to California, it doesn't work out, and he comes back with his tail between right. his legs. Or... They do it that um, that oh you go to California I'll catch up with you later and he never does and they sure. did the smart thing which is realistic and I don't think you hate Amy I think that she had valid reasons to be freaked out I agree and Jonah had valid reasons to be disappointed because he said do you want to marry me yes or no and maybe's not an answer <laughs> and they've been raising her teenage daughter together he says he's like we've been raising parker together they've lived together for years so he they both absolutely have a reason to feel the way they do which i thought is the best thing which i thought was the mature sensible way to do it i mean you know and it it doesn't make shippers happy but it's realistic and you know we'll see what happens next week i have to agree with everything you guys said so i i won't repeat anything but uh, because i'll just talk about uh, the two episodes, I think doing making COVID's fun or funny is a really hard thing. Yeah. And I think that, sure, that, you know, and they highlighted the absurdities. I mean, it was like um, a little bit of a socially, you know, a commentary, you know, on, on, on big corporations versus the frontline workers. I think that um, whole thing about um, 
uh, the, yeah, I forgot their names, but you know, they were like, we're heroes, we're heroes. And, yeah. and th that thread was hilarious. Um, you know, so I, I think that it, it, you know, it had some teeth to it. The thing I love about the show, it's like the little show that could, when it first came on, I, I was, you know, I didn't think it was that good. And I thought, oh, this isn't going to last a season, but it did for me what the office did, which is just really do a great job of giving every single character real personality you know, uh, you, I don't, you know, you really know who they are. So all their activities, all their, whatever they say is very true to their character. Um, it's a funny pastiche of like, you know, different personalities. So yeah, it's a great character driven show. And I think they did do a nice job. Uh, I'm sorry that America is leaving, but I think the show is strong enough. I was wondering, but I think the show is strong enough to go on without her. You know, she was kind of the straight man of the show, um, you know, and everybody else was played as super kooky characters. So I'm super interested to see who they bring in. I think they are going to need another straight man, but then it would be kind of repetitive and maybe boring. So I'm super curious. I think the show is up to the task. Um, and so, yeah, I liked the first two episodes. I saw them as one. Um, so, yeah, I think it was a great way to come back. Agreed. All right, let's wrap this up. So next up, we're going to talk about Barbarians. And uh, I watched several episodes how many did you... I know Al, Yusin finished it. What about Alice and Tom? How many did you guys watch? Well, I want to talk about the first two. Is that okay? Oh, that's that's exactly what I watched was the first two. I am curious on what you guys think, mainly because I got spoiled because I watched the trailer, and the trailer spoiled the twist. Yeah, did you get... I thought that was terrible. That was... I mean, because it's a, it's a very emotional, solid twist. I mean, I kind of guessed it, but... <clears throat> I mean, I didn't kind of. I guessed it. And I didn't see a lot of the trailer. I always turn that off. And here's what happened to me. I was watching something and it auto-played, like it just started. And I was like, what's happening? Um, and it reminded me very much, not very much. It reminded me a bit of The Kingdom or wait, Last Kingdom, The Last Kingdom, which I, right. I really enjoy. Um, you know, it's got that same feel, that same look, that same cinematography. Um, but then I, so I knew nothing about it. And then they were speaking German. And I was like, no, not another German show. Actually, they're speaking German and Latin. I was about to say, and Latin. Yes, yes, yeah. yeah, Latin, that Italian Latin. Yes, yes. But I was, no no joke. I was like, oh, God, how is this going to go? Um, and so it's it's dense, but in a much more friendly way. And what I mean by that is um, I did see the whole series. Don't worry, no spoilers. It was a sunrise show for me. Um, I, I started it at like, I don't know, 11, 12 o'clock. And I thought, I'll watch two episodes and go to bed. And then the sun came up and I thought, son of a, you know, so I thought, well, I'll just watch the last episode. And it was absolute sunlight, daylight. So anyway, here's what I will say. The first two episodes, this is what I've been talking about at Netflix. It's six episodes. The Germans got it right. Each episode is so dense. You learn so much. There's so much action um, they do a great job exposition explaining everything. They already make you feel uh, care about the characters. They give you the twist already. I think at like minute 38, I mean, like 38 minutes in, you get the twist. The second episode, I mean, it's just, and and mind you, this is from someone who saw, saw the, sh there is no fat on this show, none. So it's compelling. It's fun to watch. Is it like an amazingly deep show? Does it make you think? Does it confuse you? Absolutely not. But it's tight. It's fast. It's, uh, you know, emotionally, um, you know, uh, resonating. You know, you, you want to, you care about the characters. So I like it. Well, I went into it. I did not see the trailer ahead of time. And actually when it started, 
Um, I didn't know anything about what it was about other than, okay, it's something that happens, you know, in the past with German soldiers, with, with German tribesmen and, and Roman soldiers. But then they put up on the screen Teutoburg Forest. And I realized that this is not going to be exciting for most people. However, I researched this period. And oh. I know what happens in in the two. So are you going to give me a spoiler? Historical event. I'm not going to give you a, a, oh, okay. a, a spoiler, but what I'm saying is, it it is it was a massive event in Roman history, and and when and I've never seen it dramatized before. So when yeah. I, yeah, so when I saw where they were, and you know who was supposed to be involved, I got really excited because this was a particular period that I researched a lot. Um, uh, for a story that I was writing, which I'm not going to get into, but um, I never seen it actually committed to screen, and it's an incredibly fascinating and and action filled and kind of brutal story, and I was I was really excited to to watch it, and and I've only seen the first two episodes right now where they've introduced the characters, uh, the main players. And I'm really enjoying it. I love the fact that they've actually had, they actually have characters speaking in their native languages. You have the Germans speaking. I mean, granted, they're speaking modern German, not whatever they, they were actually doing in the ninth century, but, um, and, and the, uh, the Italians are speaking Latin. And I, I, I love that they're, they're doing that because it adds this, this, feel of authenticity and when characters are saying things to each other like i hate your accent don't even try to speak in my language it's it like makes sense that was you, great you no know that was saying. great yeah um the uh the characters so far you know the, the the big characters of the uh the two young uh german tribes people who uh, I, mean, I don't think it's a it's it's a spoiler to say that they. Well, we could talk about the something. first two episodes. Talk about the yeah, first two episodes. I mean, That's fine. They, they they steal the Roman standard, right? Um, the eagle, and and there is a terrible price to pay. Yeah, that. it was crazy. Is, it really and it was perfectly you know in keeping with what the Romans did back then. Um, and, but the, the what makes it more effective. Um, is the person who had to carry out this this punishment, the person who was sent to get the eagle back and who's interacting with, with the tribes people, is uh, the adopted son of the Roman general Varus, who it turns out is the actual son of the German tribes, the German chieftain. And the he Reich. was sent... He was sent with his brother to be raised by Romans and essentially kept as a hostage, really. But they, they trained him as a soldier. And, and he is historically real. He is a real character. Um, the, and, and what he does, and, and what I'm sure he's going to be doing later on in the series, um, is, is what this actual person did. So I, I was really fascinated with how they played his character. I, I loved seeing his, his internal fight with what was going on, where he'd come from, and what, what he, he was doing now. And uh, I'm in for the, the rest of the series. I, I really, I love the way it's shot. I love the way it's acted. 
It's, it's worth it, Allison. And I just want to say this one thing to, to, to bounce off of what you said. It, what it does great is take this epic story historically, you know, you know, it's like the historical fiction, whatever, and yet it does big and small really well at the same time. Like, you know what I mean? That you're, you're never, you're fully aware of how big this is. Um, and as you pointed out, even if people who don't know the history, um, I thought that was also done really, really well. The small moments and the, the human connections and the conflict internal even even our main cat one of the main characters um and then yet the scope of it is still really big and believable so i thought they did a great job handling and, both and, of them. and i really yes. buy the friendship between the three characters yes yes yes, yeah. yes that's what i mean by doing the small stuff it, yeah. it has to matter you know what i mean yeah yeah so it's great i think it's really really good show yeah i don't uh, think you need to actually you know be familiar with the history to really yeah. be into it it's a yeah, great extra treat if you are but it's yeah. i don't think it's necessary all right well let, let's move on i really liked it and i think i'm up to episode four i finished four i think but so we'll be coming back here next time all right uh let's wrap that up and next up we're gonna talk about the queen's gambit and we're gonna talk about episodes five and six and episode five is called the fork uh or it's just called fork and it's basically uh beth is back home in kentucky and she starts working with the harry harry who was with the thing that because this is right after her mom dies so her mom has died in the episode before so she's grieving and so my thing about harry i didn't feel any sympathy for him because he knew that her mom died and what does he do? He's like, he shows up and is like, this is a perfect time to start a relationship. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Was really, do, you, do you think he was really interested in starting a relationship? Yes. Yes. He said, he told her he'd been thinking about her since he met her for months. He was taught, he kept trying to tell her he got how his teeth he, fixed for her. He got his teeth he, fixed he, for her. Yes. How much money he spent he his college car. fund. He spent, he spent his, his college fund. fund yeah, so he but did that. that he and she tells him, worth it. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, he 100%. I think, he genuinely, I think yeah. he genuinely cared about her and thought that he was going to be able to, you know, provide some kind of comfort and, and support. Yeah, but on well, the sly, he thought. I don't think he, it was all opportunism. Yeah. I think he does genuinely care for her. He does. But he wanted a romantic relationship and she so didn't, although she slept with him because, you know. He was gotta have fun. Yeah, but I mean, (laughs) I think that it was also just kind of sleazy of him to like move into her house right after knowing the reason she wants him to move in. She she invited him. Oh, I know, but at a hotel, I got an apartment. I know, but she invite. But knowing her emotional state, which is she doesn't want to be at that house by herself. The invitation had nothing to do with him as a person. It had but to do. He with... doesn't know that though. Yes, he does. He does. I don't think so. I he thought so. Dude, he's totally getting mixed signals from her. He yeah. is. I'm agreeing. And, but... and he doesn't know her that well. Remember? I mean, they played a, a game together, right? And but the fact been, that he's he... been thinking about her ever since, but he doesn't really know her. Correct. I agree, but I also think he took advantage of the situation as well. Well, 
Well, oh. I think he might have, I'm, I'm with Libya in the sense that once he got there and once he kind of realized what was happening, he, I, th I don't think his intentions were bad in the beginning, but I think that once he was there and saw this and they did kind of grow together, sure, then I think, but I don't think it's as sleazy as you're making it out to be because they truly did bond. They truly got, you know, got close and this and that, and maybe she didn't even know if she really wanted to sleep with him. Lonely girls do lots of things that they don't necessarily right, right. do want to do. Well, I, I but, think he but, absolutely... I think it's both. I do. I just want to interject that one thing because we're not talking about this. I think that they did a nice job throughout the series and episode five and six, they start with uh, uh, a conversation she has with her mom. She has a memory of right, that, right, you know right. what I mean? And I, I think that that's poignant and it's important because it starts that way and her all of her messed up problems or her PTSD and all of that was because she was in the car when her mother killed herself, right. you know what I mean? So the thing I like about this show is as much as it's girl power and it's this and she's a drunk and you know whatever they don't forget that you know what i mean and that's the part that grounds me in, in the part that gives me a lot of, gives me gives her a lot of sympathy gives makes me give her a lot of sympathy have sympathy for her um and i think that they did a really nice job and and that's important because uh, i spoke to a lot of people who watched the show and lots of people were devastated when her adopted mom died so uh, for me i like that aspect of it you guys can talk about all the other stuff but it started with this super traumatic experience right. then she loses her adopted so it for me it allows for me to believe the entire journey for her and also i love how they slipped in that her mother was like a mathematics genius because we all know that chess is math or i don't know if we all know that so even that made sense to me so i thought these little bits and everything were 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 uh, the uh, whatever the opposite of lazy you know i thought they i thought it fleshed out the entire story really well for me instead of just right. being a feel good uh, feel good series and so i give it a lot of credit yeah, uh, Peter. Really quick, what did you think? I, I mean, I love, I love the whole show. I don't really have any major criticisms. I mean, you don't I, have you know, to I'm, say criticism. You can say what you like. Um, I, I, I agree with everything Houston's saying. I, I really like how, um, I guess, kind of layered uh, Beth is, and I also like that um, Harry is is not really just. Like, I guess I would say, like, you know, he's not just this cad, predatory person. I, he really does care about her. And he has his own, you know, his 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 own inexperience with relationships. That's true, too. I yeah. will give you that. Yeah. And I do yeah. think it was That's brave cool. of him to walk away, too. When he realized yeah. that he was being played, yeah. I like that he just was like, you know what? I'm moving out. And I, I will say just that. not that into you, dude. <laughs> I was the only thing that when, when the show start, when the pilot started... Um, I'm, I, I was in because of the chess prodigy. That, that's what sold me. Cause I love searching for Bobby Fisher. I just, I, you know, I love those yeah. kind of, I love those kind of like stories and stuff. Um, what I was nervous about was I was like, Oh, well this is going to be about, so it's going to be about, you know, gender roles in the, from the transition of like the late fifties, the six late or to late sixties. I'm down for that. And I like chess stuff wasn't quite sure about the substance abuse and everything. Um, but I have to say, normally that's a thing in the show where I'm in, in a series where I'm like, it just feels like an easy thing to fall back on of like, Oh, now she's lost control. But I actually think it maybe because it's only done in maybe like, cause it's only a seven episode season. I actually think it works pretty well. And I, I really like the Kentucky house. I like how we get to see, the her ownership of the house and how 
how decrepit the house becomes because of uh, because of her drinking and everything. Like I think that all works pretty well. Um, so those are the things I like a lot. And of course, I love. Um, I'm sure um, Tom will know the little kid from Love Actually. Is that Benny? Yeah. The one in New yes. York. Yes. Yeah. Is that Harry Styles? Yep. Okay. Harry Styles. Styles. No, no, from, no. from no. One Direction. Oh, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> 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 it's Thomas Brody Sanger was the actor's name. Right. I'm Whatever. Like, they look the same to me. Dude, <laughs> all white, all white dudes. Do not but anyway, yeah, I'll, I'll, like. I'll let someone else talk. But um, yeah, I really, I really enjoyed it. And so I, I'm, I'm, I'm very much. It feels like one of the few shows that I, I could see watching again, or at least all the chess stuff. Like, like, oh, that's another thing too. Is that like making us making certain things? Like, I just rewatched The Color of Money the other day, which I love. But I'm not going to get into that. But um, but making certain things like pool or chess exciting visually is kind of tricky (laughs) but what they do in this is it's not just visually like she looks up and she sees the chess pieces it's also because it's about who she's playing and that's kind of like isn't there an episode where she meets like another child prodigy a little boy yeah Yeah. and she keeps she kind of psychs him out because she'll like stand and like walk away the kid doesn't know what to do like that's great you know all that or i mean i don't it's not good to do, but I mean, you know what I mean? It's interesting. So I'll well, let someone else talk. I was going to say, uh, Allison, can you talk about the next episode, which is adjournment episode six, when she goes to New York and trains with Benny and gets prepared to go to Paris to fight to face Borgoff. Yeah. I, I love that episode actually. And, and what I thought was so interesting about it is because, you know, Benny, he's, he's like his, his own best PR man. And, oh yeah. He's he's made himself, you know, he's this, this legend and talks like he's like, you know, some 70 year old sage talking about uh, chess and everybody listens to him, gathers around, rapt attention. And he knows how to, to do things like play speed chess, which gets, you know, tremendous attention, of course, for you know people love to see these things do. So he's and so you get this impression of him as being like this, this almost superhuman character. And then you go to his apartment. Oh my god! And, and it's this this hovel. It's a bomb basement. shelter. <laughs> it's a basement. It's a I mean, bomb shelter. It's it's like a basement beneath a basement. It's it's unbelievable. I don't think there's even a window in there, and and it's filthy and it's horrible and there's leaking pipes and and the lights barely work. And and the you know the look on her face as she's saying wait, wait a minute we're going where, um, and and you realize the reality it's like okay he he's a legend in chess but in the United States that means nothing right and and he he's made no money off of it as as much as he's respected within that world it hasn't translated to anything monetarily really and and he lives in squalor. So I, I love the juxtaposition and this this intrusion of reality that they had, um, and you compare that, of course, with with Russia, where they they really are chess royalty, you know. Um, that's that's something that they can they can live on and and live very well on because they're genuine celebrities there. So I I loved the that situation, and I loved the way their relationship grows and transforms and they eventually of course end up in bed too 
And I like her response of, so that's how it's supposed to feel. <laughs> um, that was good. That is not, uh, that Harry does not get any points. No, he <laughs> no does points. poor thing. But, you know, it was also because I think it's, it, it, they, they are more alike, she and Benny. And they just, there's a simpatico there. And Benny, of course, has more experience in a lot of things than, than Harry does. What'd you say, so Peter? Just, wait, wait, Peter, what did you say? And she beats him at speed chess. Oh, yes. Yes. That's because he had been, she'd been trying to have sex with Benny almost the whole episode, and he kept turning her down up until she beats him, and then he's like, oh, that's hot. And yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that's how they end up to bed together. But that was... And, but he oh. also, he doesn't, like, when she wanted to cuddle and talk about, like, their relationship, he was still talking about chess moves. And she was like, yeah, all right, no. That's foreplay to him. Right. Don't forget she ended up in bed with the French chick, too. Yes, that's true. That was the most, I mean, I was really upset about that because she had spent months being getting sober months preparing for this game yeah. and she blows it all in one night like but that's yes but that I, what i thought was no no i i was frustrated with her but i thought that was really great because i i've had that where you meet you're young you meet somebody i mean i haven't met like a french model but i mean like <laughs> she's, she's a model so she's like a, you do model, right so she's a model and she's like oh don't want to be a model they're all vacuous they're terrible people and this is coming from a person who is a model, but she seems like she's self-aware. So I can understand from Beth's point of view, being like, oh, okay, she's kind of telling me how it is, and she's cooler. And look, she's with all these chess people, but she doesn't know how to play chess. So it totally makes sense that when she sees her in Paris, that it's like, oh, yeah, she is that person. It's almost like, it's kind of like, this is going to sound strange, but it's it's not knowing but it's sort of like Littlefinger in Game of Thrones where it's like he's basically telling you what kind of a person he is. And then it's like, oh, he's exactly that kind of person. <laughs> Which is what she is. She's like, oh, they're terrible. They're vacuous. And you're like, oh, you are too. Like, uh, like, um, but I thought that was great. I, and I totally concede being young. I absolutely concede not seeing that. So right. I thought that worked. Yeah. I mean, because she's like, my big, the finals is tomorrow. I need to be sharp. And she's like, oh, come on, have a drink with me. It's not that important. I'm like, what are you doing? Oh, that was so, but you're right. I get all the points you're making. I was just, I was, I was crushed. Because even though I would have been okay with her losing, I wanted her to lose at the top of her game. You know what I mean? I didn't want her to lose just because she was hungover and she couldn't think and her head was full of cotton. Um, so that was my frustration because I wanted to see a legitimate game between them. Um, so yeah, but then, but then, then you're primed for the finale. I mean, you know what I mean? Like you, you, that it wouldn't have worked narratively. I mean, I was mad at the model because she seemed super cool and you know, you know what I mean? And I mean, it's part of the plot, but I I really thought that, you know, I, I, I didn't like that because I actually thought that it was a little bit out of character. She's supposed to be this really cool, you know, uh, uh, world traveling up with women kind of a whatever thing. And then clearly she's sabotaging this woman. And I actually thought they even mentioned it. I think I thought she was going to turn out to be a Russian. No, that was Peter who, mentioned that that was peter who said that 
about that. I was like, oh. Oh, oh but I thought that. I did when I was watching the show, is my point. Oh, that, yeah. to me, would have made more sense. I mean, it was too predictable, but I thought it was out of character for her to to, to take her out of that. And and I, I, it, that was actually a blip for me. I thought, well, this is just, you know, for plot. But I, I didn't like that. Because, I, I, you I know, she it, seemed very, what? Oh, I just said, I thought it worked. Yeah, it did for me yeah. too because I did not find it out of character. She's basically kind of a good time girl who who's a little more cerebral than the usual. She likes hanging around with smart people, but that doesn't mean that she's she you know feels like she's a caretaker for them or she wants to encourage them. She just likes you know being in their oh, orbit. So right. I think where, where this where this was concerned, it was really Beth's fault. She, I mean, she's she's her own worst enemy in a lot of cases and a victim of her own um, psychological problems and addictions. And she let that get the best of her. Right. Where, where this was concerned was, so she should, yes, she should have absolutely been studying for, for the, the match and all of that and been serious about it. And instead she just kind of, she just gave in to her worst impulses. Yeah, I would agree. And uh, I'd say overall, I cannot wait to see the finale. I deliberately have not watched it yet. Um, but obviously if we haven't told, she obviously loses the game to the Russian, goes home, cries, gets drunk a lot for several months, I think. I don't know how long, it's a long time. And then I liked how the end of the episode, uh, her Jolene knocks on the door. If you don't remember who that is, that's her foster sister from the orphanage that they were besties or whatever. And the most awesome fro. Yes. Very nice fro. And I just love that was a good cliffhanger. That was a good cliffhanger. It, it wasn't a surprise to me, but I loved it. I was waiting. I was like, when is she coming back? She's so awesome. And, you know, yeah, All I right. like that a lot. Well, let's wrap that up. So we're going to say thumbs up so far for uh, Queen's Gambit. We'll cover the finale next week. If you guys have any questions or comments, you can send them to tvcampfire at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter or on Facebook. Listen to us on getthepointradio.com, Krypton Radio, We Not List, and iTunes. We'll talk to you guys next time. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.